Hey, you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. You good? I'm way too excited for y'all this morning. Uh, we started a new series today called Holy Spirit. How many of you saw that online? And um, I believe that as we become introduced to this person, how many of you know the Holy Spirit is not a thing, he is a person? The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit has feelings. There are likes. There are dislikes. How do we know this? Because the Bible says that it is possible to grieve the Spirit. Now, I can't grieve this microphone stand because this microphone stand, it is a thing. But a person, it can be grieved. And I believe that as we become introduced to this Holy Spirit, that we will begin to walk in power. Say power. Every single person that is called and has said yes to Jesus has been given power. Power to destroy the works of the devil. Power to live out every word that has been spoken. So how many of you know when Jesus speaks, those words, they come with power? So for instance, there was a guy in the Bible who was a blind beggar, and Jesus asked him, what do you want? And the guy's like, oh, and Jesus says, walk, pick up your mat and walk. And in the word was the power to accomplish what was said. Did you catch that? In the word, when that man was laying, even though the Bible says it had been 38 years, he had been laying on the side of the road. The moment Jesus spoke a word, with that word came the power to accomplish the word. All that was needed on behalf of the man who was crippled was for him to think, because of his words, now I can stand. Are you with me? And I believe that as we walk out this faith, one of the essential things we need to do is understand who is the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is a gift that has been given to us. And so you see Jesus coming forward. And last week I talked to you about how the Spirit of God, it rests on man. Do you remember this? So for instance, there's been this shift that has happened in the church where we say, well, the Holy Spirit, it resides on ministries. So you would say, well, the Holy Spirit is that abide. I've had people come in and they walk through the doors and are like, oh, the Holy Spirit is here. And I just laugh because I do believe the Spirit of God dwells here, but I believe he dwells here because he dwells in me. He dwells in you. And so we need to change our mentality. So in 2 Samuel 6, I just want to give you reference. King David, had, he, had re, he had become king. Everything that God had spoken to him came into fruition. So he went from years and years of serving Saul, serving this false king, to now stepping into his destiny. And the first thing he did when stepping back into destiny, he says, we must recover the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant had a couple different names. It was called the Ark of the Testimony. It was also called the Ark of the Presence. And so it was this this amazing thing that God told them to build. And on the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Presence, is where the presence of God would dwell. And it was in the Holy of Holies. And so David says, we're going to go and we're going to recover the Ark of the Covenant because he believed that the Ark of the Covenant and the Presence, it carried blessing with it. How many of you want to live in blessing? Oh, that should be everyone. And so he goes and he recovers the ark, and they get this idea. And you read through the Old Testament, and you would learn that when the ark of the covenant was moved, the ark of the presence was moved from one place to another, it had these poles, and the poles, the ark, it rested on top of people. Catch this. So it wasn't moved. They would have four, six different people, and the priest, they would carry the ark, and this is how the presence was carried from place to place. And so somebody got an idea, hey, instead of carrying it the tradition away, why don't we build a cart and put the Ark of the Presence on the cart? 
And so as they're moving the ark, they captured the ark from the enemies that had stolen it. And they're moving it back. They put the ark on the cart, and they're moving the cart. And as they move a cart, the Bible says in chapter 6 that a donkey stumbled, and the ark went to flip. It went to turn, and somebody went to touch it. Now, one of the things you have to know about the ark of the covenant was no man was to touch this. This was holy. And so the moment this man touched it, he dropped dead. And the Bible says that God became angry with David, and David became angry with God. But here's the truth. David had, had, he had stepped into something that was never meant to be. Let's put it into today's terms. When we believe that the presence of God dwells on ministries, we miss the opportunity to carry the presence on us. And we believe at this church that the presence of God is to dwell on people. The moment that we put the presence on ministries and on structures and on programs is the minute we suck the life out of it and people begin to die. I'm serious about this. Because we would like to manufacture and we would like to create things and say, well, the Spirit can rest on that. And make no mistake, again, the Spirit is what gives you power. Listen, your calling and your yes to Jesus, it commissions you. It gives you the the green light. But what gives you the authority is the presence of God. It's what gives you the power to proclaim the gospel. And with the words you speak, now you create realities. And so when you say yes to Jesus, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, it takes residence inside of you. Like he makes his heart, your heart, his home. And he comes inside of you and he begins to restructure. So for instance, like for me, there are things in my life that I know are just different. I used to think a different way. Like sometimes things happen to me in my life and I'm like, man, 10 years ago I would have responded way differently to this situation. And as you walk with God, you begin to realize that there is a restructuring through the Holy Spirit that is taking place in your heart. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Where you begin to see things differently, you respond differently, you speak differently, and this is the work of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And so Jesus, he's walking with his disciples. And as he's walking with his disciples, he speaks to them. And I want to take you there to John 14. Because today I want to introduce to you what I believe is very important for you as a believer. Actually, let's go to Matthew 4. Matthew 4. I'll start here, then I'll take you to John. And I'm going to read to you some scripture today because I I want you to see that it was essential for Jesus to receive the Spirit for his ministry, okay? How many of you are called to ministry? I should see everybody touching some sky. (laughs) When you say yes to Jesus, you are called to ministry, and for you to be effective, for you to not live a life of depression and oppression and this up and down roller coaster, you need to say, I need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, John the Baptist is here and he's preparing the way for the Lord. And he's telling people to repent. And all of a sudden, here comes Jesus on the scene. And in Matthew chapter 3, sorry, verse 13, Jesus went from Galilee to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it, so he recognized who Jesus was. And he says, I'm not worthy to baptize you. But Jesus says to him, no, this must take place. And so Jesus goes, and in in verse 16, he says, after his baptism, Jesus came up out of the water. And watch this, the sequence that takes place. Jesus is submerged underwater. He is risen out of the water. And the Bible says the heavens open. They're open. You catch this? The heavens are ripped open. And after that, He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and it was settling upon him. 
And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly beloved son who has brought me great joy. Another translation says this, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Now I used to read over this, but I caught this revelation that I thought was super important because Jesus comes into submission and he becomes baptized and you see the spirit come upon him like a dove. That word there split open is an answer to prayer that you find in Isaiah 64 when you see Isaiah say this, rend the heavens, O God. The word that is, that, that is said there for, for the heavens split open is the same word that is used when the veil was torn. Meaning it wasn't just this little cloud that just went and a dove came down. This was, a, this was a powerful moment where the heaven realm was split open. And we now had access to something that we did not have access to before. And so we see the Holy Spirit come upon Jesus like a dove. And the Holy Spirit comes upon him and it remains. And the Gospel of John, it says the Spirit of God remains on him. And now through the life of Jesus, you would see what it would be like for a spirit-filled believer who is free from sin to walk out his faith. Jesus is not a part of the plan. He is the plan. He is the purpose. Any standard that we set below Jesus as believers of Christ is a substandard. And so for us, the question becomes, how do we walk like this man? Right? Imagine three years of walking and talking and going through all of these things and following Jesus, seeing and many times when Jesus walked in and said every person who was sick was healed. Demons were cast out, the lame walked, the mute they talked, everywhere he would go situations would change, but I would beckon to you that this all started with him being baptized by the presence of God and affirmed. Some of you, you just need to hear today, listen, God affirms you. God spoke out of heavens and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, and Jesus had not yet performed one miracle. He had not yet laid one hand on the sick. He had not yet preached one sermon. Yet God looked at him and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Which means to me, God being pleased with me and him loving me and accepting me has nothing to do with what I do. It has nothing to do with me being on my hamster wheel and trying to do more for God or more ministry. It's simply me being in relationship with him. So the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And they're walking with Jesus for all of these years, and they're watching him preach, man. He stands up on a mound. I mean, you read in the Bible, how aware was Jesus of the, of the presence upon him? you got to catch this, man. One of the times he's walking through the crowd, and the Bible says that the people were pressing against him. So imagine you're, you're, you're at a football game or something. Have you ever, ever been in a big crowd of people, and you feel people pressing against you? It's very annoying. And you're trying, Disney World, oh my gosh. Oh, I was just there. And you're walking, and so Jesus is walking through the people, and the Bible says there is this woman who has the, an issue with blood. And she had been carrying this for 19 plus years, and she gets this idea in her, in her head, if I could only touch him, oh, some of you need to catch this. If I could only get to him and touch him, what is she, this is desperation. This is not waiting and saying, Jesus, well, if it is your will to, to heal me or to come. No, she's saying, in this moment, I'm going to press through the crowd to get to him. She pushes through the crowd, and she touches the hem of his garment. She touches a piece of his clothes, and she is made whole. It's an amazing story. But what catches my eye, man, what, what, what moves me is that Jesus was so aware of the presence of God upon him that he goes, hey, wait, who touched me? Now, if I'm Peter and I'm John, I'm like, bro. People have been touching you for about an hour and a half. 
perfect. We're walking through crowds. Like, we are surrounded by the masses. What do you mean? But what, 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 what Jesus was aware of is the presence upon him. Something had left him. Virtue had left him. What am I saying? He was so aware of what is upon him. And you had to catch this. The Holy Spirit is inside of me for me, but he is upon me for you. Two different things. When the Holy Spirit comes and he takes residence inside of me, he is working. The Bible says that he is working out sanctification. He is making me, conforming me into the image of his son every day more and more. But the presence of God upon me, it is a whole different deal. Can I read to you about it? Are you all right? Let's go to Isaiah 61. I hear a couple Bibles flipping. It makes my heart happy. Read, bring your Bibles. Even if it's on your phone, just go. Watch this. Spirit of God inside of you. You catching me? Spirit of God inside of you is working out sanctification. Spirit of God upon you is a different deal. Isaiah 61 says this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Say upon me. For the Lord has anointed me. What does the word anoint? The, the word anoint means to smear. It is as if you can imagine there is oil being poured out. And when the oil is poured out, everything on the inside of you is now consumed with the oil. And so the Spirit of God is upon me, and the Lord has anointed me. What has he anointed you for? Watch this. He is upon you for this. To bring the good news to the poor, he has sent me to bring comfort to the brokenhearted, and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He is inside of me for me, but he is upon me for everyone around me. Meaning, as I carry the presence of God, come on, man, catch this. The Spirit of God comes on Jesus like a dove. Bill Johnson gives an amazing illustration. He says, imagine if the Spirit of God lands upon Jesus and it remains, how would you walk if there was a dove on your shoulder? Come on, if you've ever seen a dove, you know that doves, they scare easy. They're very easy, like they're, they're moved, like they're, they're kind of scared. All of if you had a dove on your shoulder, you would take every step with what? With caution. You would take every step with the dove in mind. You would do everything in your mind to make sure that this was accommodated because this is valuable to you. And so Jesus, he's speaking to his disciples and he says this, I do only what I see my father doing. And I believe this. I believe the Holy Spirit inside of you is what gives you the ability to see what the Father is doing. He is making intercession for you and he is moving and he gives you the ability to see situations. So I believe when the Bible says that you are seated in heavenly places and you have been given the power and the mind of Christ, this, this is our position. Some of you, you're going through cycles and circles in the same situation because you're living according to your own mind. And how many of you know the Bible says you can live according to your flesh or you can live according to the Spirit? Yes. Those are the two options it gives you. And every single day I have, a, I have a choice to make. So when situations go wrong in my life, man, this week, two people in this church lost friends. They were killed. Killed dead, both of them. And they didn't know Jesus. And I've, I, and I've been in those situations where that has happened. And then in those moments, I have the opportunity to choose how am I going to respond. In those moments of brokenness, in those moments, and it should create an urgency inside of us. 
Because if Jesus has called us to preach to the poor and to, and to mend the brokenhearted and to free the captive, if people are locked up outside of this, outside of this area or in this area, it's on us. Are you hearing me? It's on us. Because the Holy Spirit upon us has empowered us to go. And I believe that the Holy Spirit upon us in, in 2 Samuel 6, it falls off the cart and, and Uzzah touches it and he falls and he dies. And, and David gets upset and he leaves, he leaves the Ark of the Covenant in the house of a man named Obed-Edom. And what you see in that moment as they left it there is the presence of God resided in his home and everything in his life began to prosper. Some of us have businesses, some of us have children, some of us are trying to make out how to make our finances work. You read that this man was so blessed in this three-month span that David said, we need to go back and get that. And so maybe the question for us or the answer for us is not so much what do we do, it's how can we host the presence better? How can we create a place where we become a landing place for the dove? Where the presence of God dwells upon us and he begins to give us opportunities because what I believe, I believe with all of my heart, as I create a landing place, a resting place for the Holy Spirit in my heart, the presence of God around me begins to change situations. It begins to turn the bad into good and it gives me the ability to see things as they are in the Spirit. So how many of you know when you see things as they are, we talked about this last week, Elijah, when he was there and these people came, they came to them to attack them. And him and his, his like little bodyguard came out and he freaked out and Elijah prayed, give him eyes to see. And he prayed, open up their eyes. And when he prayed that, he realized that there was a host of angels around them and he said, surely there are more that are with us than there are against us. And that's what I'm believing for you today. That as the Holy Spirit rests upon you, that he gives you the ability to see, to see for your business, to see for your finances, to see for your family from a different perspective, where you're not living from bummer to bummer. Come on. You're living from glory to glory. And you're on a journey, and things don't look the way you thought they should, but you know that you know that you have been given this Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in the book of John is called the paraclete. And the word paraclete can be, trans it can be translated, it can be comforter, it can mean friend, it can mean counselor. It is this person who sticks with you. How many of you know if you have a comforter, that means you're going to need comforting? You need comforting when you go through difficult situations. That's why I don't understand people who like, well, I'm a Christian, everything should be amazing. You have been given the great comforter. <laughs> Because you are going to walk through some things in life that are difficult. And he's saying, will you rely on me? Will you turn your eye to me, the Holy Spirit, and allow me to lead you and to guide you and to comfort you? And so Jesus looks to his disciples in John 14. I told you I was going to go there. And he's speaking to them. And he looks at his disciples. <laughs> There's so much I want to say. What time is it? Oh. Are you all right? So we talked about all the amazing things Jesus did, okay? Listen, we've seen, we've seen people who could never talk, talk. I'm going to never forget we were in Africa and we were praying for this guy. He had never said a word in his life. And we were praying. He couldn't speak. He couldn't hear. And I remember the group of students. These are students laying their hands on this kid's throat. 
And, that, and he's like, he couldn't say, just trying to say words. And they laid hands on him and proclaimed life and his tongue to be loose. And his first words were Jesus. It was like something out of a movie. Like Jesus came out and like, oh, celebrate. When you see God do this, it's amazing. And you got to imagine, this was the normal life for the disciples. Every day as they followed him, this is what they saw. And in John chapter 14, Jesus looks at his disciples and he says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. Now, if I'm the disciples, I'm like, oh, crap. That's a big deal. But then he, he, he speaks it even more. He goes, and even greater works I will do because I'm going to be with the Father. Watch this. This is your promise. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Now, if I'm the disciples, I'm like, cool story, bro, but how? For real. Like, I, I've walked with you for years. I've seen what you've done. I've seen the dead raised. I was there when Lazarus was there. How? And then he tells them how. He goes, if you love me and obey my commands, I will ask the Father in heaven and he will give you another advocate. Are you hearing me? I will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Say never. He is the Holy Spirit who will lead you into all truth. Come on, this is so good. He leads us into all truth. That's why I'm not even worried. Some people are worried, like, well, I just don't want to, I just don't want to be led into deception. You can't. If you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, according to this book, if you're following a pastor or a sermon podcast or whatever you see on Facebook, then you may be. But if you are led by the Holy Spirit, it says here, he will lead you into all truth. Y'all ain't catching it. The word cannot receive him, the world cannot receive him. Why? Because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. Whoa. Come on, man. So he's given us this gift, this advocate, and he's speaking to us and he's saying, I have given you this gift, this helper, this advocate who will lead you unto all truth. But if you're not looking for him, you won't recognize him. And my heart burns for this today, man. That you would be more aware of the presence of God upon you and inside of you than you are of what's going on around you. My prayer for you is that you would be able to recognize him. Because as you recognize him, you can receive him. And as you receive him, you can be led into all truth. So Jesus leaves. He speaks his word to, him, to them. He leaves and he goes. And he, he gives his life so that you can walk in freedom. And he sits on a cross and he says, it is finished. And he pays the penalty for sin. And he tells them, go and wait. And they don't even know what they're waiting for. He says, the Holy Spirit will come. The only imagery they have of this is the heavens being split open and a dove coming down. And you find them in Acts 2 in an upper room. Acts 2, the Bible says, all the believers, there was about 120 people, were gathered in the room in one mind, in one accord. And they were praying and they were waiting. Come on. What would it look like for the church today if we learned to pray and to wait? I'm serious. We would pray and we would wait. We wouldn't lose heart. Losing heart to me is hope deferred. And the Bible says this, hope deferred, it makes your heart sick. There are things that God has put in your heart, and the inability to wait in a world that goes go, 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 go will make your heart sick. And it will cause you to lose heart and to not contend for that that God has given you. 
And a lot of people in the American church, they don't want to hear about waiting and contending. But I would say to you, the other countries who are waiting and contending are seeing breakthrough. Thank you, Chicho. They're waiting in an upper room, and all of a sudden there is a sound of a violent wind that comes, and the building literally begins to shake. And the believers in the room are probably like, oh my God, what is happening? Is this it? You know, Jesus says stuff to them all the time. Jesus is teaching them how to minister, and they're like, how do you minister? And I just got to put myself in, in, in the feet of the disciples, right? Jesus tells them, go into a house, and when you go into the house, greet the house. Now, Peter's probably like, oh, that's good. I didn't think about that because I wouldn't have said, hey, house, you know. This is the thing. Go into a house, greet the house. Hello, home. Then he goes, and when you enter into the home, release your peace. We read through this like, what, do, what does that look like? Are they like, peace. You understand that when Jesus is speaking to them, it's always an invitation for something they don't yet understand. It's an invitation into something deeper. And then he says to them, if they do not receive your peace, take your peace back. <laughs> what the heck is that? And to me, it's no different than them saying, go into Jerusalem where they're trying to persecute you and wait upon the Holy Spirit. So there's a shaking and there's all these things happening and the Holy Spirit comes and it says it comes as a pillar of fire. And the only pillar of fire they had seen before this or heard about was the people of Israel, which led them through the wilderness. And so maybe some of them were like, okay, this is it. Then the pillar of fire is split into tongues of fire. And now it is residing on every single person. And there's this amazing situation that takes place, and this is their moment of empowerment. How do you know? After this, Peter stands. And boldness comes upon him and he begins to proclaim the gospel. He says, this is what they talked about in Joel 2. When the Spirit of God would fall upon all flesh and sons and daughters would come back. And you see masses of people coming back to the Father in a moment of revival. All because people would wait and contend. To me, the fire was significant, man. Because the fire not only led them in the wilderness, but it also purifies it cleanses. The wind of God to me would have been significant because I would have remembered Ezekiel 37 when a wind of God came and it blew life into a valley of dead bones. When he was bringing life to the dead. And what I'm praying for you today is that we would become a people. Are you with me? I just need a couple. We would become a people that we would become aware that the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the counselor, the helper, he has been given to me. He takes residence inside of me because he wants to change my inside. Make no mistake about it. He is, he, the Bible says, be holy as I am holy. That would be a cruel statement to be given by God if it was not attainable. Be holy as I am holy. He is inside of me to perfect holiness, but he is upon me to change the world. And make no mistake about it, Jesus is interested in changing your neighborhood, your community, your region.